This episode of The Backdrop, Untold Stories in Golf, is brought to you by New Club Golf Society, a humble community of golfers connected by our love for the game. Follow us on social media with the handle New Club Golf. All right, Carson, so lean. Thanks for joining us on The Backdrop. Thanks, Matt. I really appreciate it. Um, nice way to break up a day here to spend some time talking about golf. We, we might as well spend uh, some time talking about golf because we're, we're currently not playing it uh, in our home state of, of Illinois. How else are you keeping, uh, keeping golf in your life right now? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny when this, when this you know, kind of limitations came in and we're not able to play, you realize, especially me as a golf professional, you realize how much, you know, your life is encompassed by golf. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's kind of everything, everything we do all day. Um, so you, you're left a little bit, uh, a little bit dumbfounded on, okay, well, what do I do now? And, uh, and, you know, being a, being a club pro and, and at Elk Park, you know, I think at this point, my kind of service to the club is just to try and keep them engaged in the, in golf, just in general and, and club, maybe club activities and just any way you can do it. So, uh, you know, I've been doing a ton of, a ton of YouTube videos and, and trying to just think of like creative ways to, to stay in touch with the membership and, and, uh, and just golf in general, uh, doing trick shot videos and asking members to send in trick shot videos, just all kinds of, all kinds of little things. Um, uh, today will be the first round of the virtual masters that we're running right now. Um, so I did a cool draft last night for the virtual masters with, with, uh, players from the, that have played in masters over, over the whole history, actually. And then uh, pairing them up with members, so just trying anything to stay uh, stay involved, you know. Wow. So, so how does the scoring work on the virtual masters? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I'll I'll give a shout out here. I stole this from the from the crew at Marion, and who knows, they probably stole it from uh, the crew at Augusta, would be my guess. But it's uh, they compiled a list of a hundred players in the masters that have made the cut five at least five times so so each round each player has five scores from a, a first round a second round a third round a fourth round so there's five columns of scores for each round um, for a hundred different players over the from the span of the first masters up until last year and uh and so each you pair up uh you know you do a raffle and and you pair up a person's name with a with a golfer, and then each each day. So Thursday today being when should be the first day of the Masters today, um, and uh, and then you draw a, a number one out of five of the column that you're taking that score from. So then uh, you do that each day, and you accumulate a you know a four round. Uh, 72 uh 72 whole score wow wow so, that's that's pretty cool that's it's pretty cool. cool i mean uh it's a little complicated but once you you kind of grasp it and see the spreadsheet and and uh it, it, it's a pretty cool way so i had a ton of fun fun doing the draft last night uh i did uh did some pretty pretty cool uh little one-liners when you're naming off uh 100 golfers and you can drop a little line about you know, Stuart Sink being bald or uh, 
Cooch not paying his caddy or, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. It's it's kind of fun, Sevy doing Sevy impressions and stuff like that. So oh, that's, that's you have to have fun, fun with it, man. You, yeah. You know, right now, like, I can't tell you how many emails I got from the membership just saying thank you for making us laugh. You know, uh, thanks for thanks for bringing a little bit of tr- joy and 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 just trying to, you know, lighten the mood a little bit. So it's uh, it's all good stuff. Yeah, bless you for doing it because uh, yeah, it's certainly needed. You know, this is the time of year we're all gearing up and um, getting out onto the golf course when the as the weather starts to break. But uh, in lieu of that, I think you know. We still have the bug. We're still getting yeah. getting the itch, so it's it just helps, I think, cope for uh, for folks who always have it on their mind to to have a little break, laugh about it, have some yeah. fun. Absolutely, you have to. Well, you know, speaking of of the Masters, I was doing my uh, my very amateur research, getting ready for talking to you today. Yeah, and you know, you're at Oak Park Country Club that many may not know has some of the richest history. Um, of not just cu- clubs in Chicago, but uh, in the country. And and a lot of that history does tie to uh, your position of head professional. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering if you can share with our, our listeners a little bit about uh, the background of, of Oak Park Country Club and, and what it feels like to, you know, be holding the, the head spot in the pro shop for, um, you know, where, where others like Horton Smith, and Erie Ball and all these legends that had played in many masters. Um, you know, t- tell us a little bit about that history and what it feels like to be at a place like that. Yeah, Matt. I mean, when I was interviewing for this job uh, three years ago now, you know, I, I had never heard of Oak Park Country Club. I was working in Philadelphia at the time. And uh, and the opportunity came about to start interviewing. And I, start, I started doing my research, you know. And... And, and I start seeing this like, you know, I, I think I clicked on a link that was like former head professionals. I just went to the top of it and uh, not too far down was Horton Smith. And I'm like, holy cow, Horton Smith, you know, was the head pro here. And then uh, a number of years late, his brother actually had t- taken over for him. Um, and then after that, Erie Ball and these names just started like kind of coming up. David Ledbetter had, was a teaching professional there. I was like, wow, this is crazy. You know, the history. And I think if I, if I asked a lot of Chicagoans, even people that grew up, it's, it's, it's untold. Um, it's not known that uh, Horton Smith was the head pro at Oak Park Country Club when he won the first ever Masters. Um, I mean, just that, that alone right there is, is such, a, such a cool fact. And, and I, I think a lot of people don't know that. Um, so even even you know to 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 our fault slightly even some of the membership I think would wouldn't uh, wouldn't necessarily uh, know that so it's it's uh, a, a lot of it's kind of untold you know Hort, Horton Smith was the pro there for for I think six six years um, and won the first Masters and then Erie Ball who uh, who's well known for being the last living participant in the in the first masters uh he was the head pro there for 30 years so um you know the the history is 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 great i mean for your question on what it feels like for me to be in 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 that role it's it's uh 
I obviously can't live up. <laughs> Someone asked, I was telling somebody the history about that. And they said, so when you got interviewed, was part of the thing that you had to play in the Masters? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I wish that was part of it. Comes um, with an automatic invite, right? But yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, it's an it's an honor to, in a short, it's an honor to be the head pro there. And, uh, and to be a part, I mean, I can say I'm a small, I'll be a small part of that, you know, hopefully a, a long time from now when my, when my time is done there and, uh, and it'll be something to, uh, that'll be pretty cool. Um, you know, the club is, is, uh, you know, 1914, the clubhouse is essentially the same, nearly the same as it was in 1914 obviously with some upgrades. Um, but the golf shop was still the golf in the same area as the golf shop. And it's funny to, to, to kind of hear stories about Horton Smith looking out the windows of the golf shop and then catch myself doing it too. Um, you know, it's, there's, you know, pictures of, uh, of legends, legends of golf playing, playing the course. And it's, uh, it's cool to kind of walk the, walk those same grounds every day. Yeah. I think, that was something that stood out to me uh, as I was doing a little bit of the research on it is that, you know, these guys, uh, Horton Smith, Ari Ball, they, they were, you know, may, maybe not the most familiar names of their generations, but they were good friends with those familiar names. And when those fellows were pulling through Chicago, they were making stops at Oak Park Country Club because of those guys. Yeah, there's a, I mean, I, I was looking on the internet of pictures of Horton Smith one day um, just trying to pull some stuff for some events, and uh, and I pulled up a picture of Horton Smith, and it and it just it had uh, it was him and Bobby Jones playing against Babe Zaharis and another woman um, whose name is just not coming to me right now, a very famous European woman player, and they were playing an exhibition about Horton Smith and Bobby Jones playing Babe Zaharis and and this other woman, and uh, and I look in the background and. It's, the clubhouse of oak park um you know and i and i you know i went outside and i looked at the picture i looked at the clubhouse and 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 it's uh it's pretty cool to yeah i mean definitely those those uh people being in chicago and and most most close to me being at oak park is pretty cool yeah yeah i, I saw that the the first uh, head professional George Simpson, who was a uh, import from Scotland, like all yep. <laughs> all head pros of the yeah. early 18th century. Right. Um, the, in 1911, he almost won the U.S. Open. US I think Open. he finished second yeah. or third, right, to um, uh, out of Chicago golf. Yeah, which, I mean, there's Lloyd Mangrum, um, who was a a PGA Tour player from from a while ago. He was the head pro. Um, there's a there's another name of a, a gentleman that's escaping me um, that had a high finish in U.S. Open, multiple U.S. Opens. Um, you know, there's a there's a long, long history of uh, of, you know, good players um, yeah. from Oak Park. So the, the most uh, the, the most eerie thing that I found as I was looking up. Uh, was the the first guy George Simpson? He actually died in the flu epidemic um, in 1918, or, or you know when that hit. So timely stuff. We just want you to take two two things. We want you to take care yeah. of yourself. One, yeah. and then right. the other is you know the Masters, the U.S. Open. Uh, they're 
they're not until the fall, so you still have some time, Carson. Just get your game, you know, tuned up. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. All right, so you can still make that push. Yeah, um, but... Well, going to going to you and kind of your path, you know, I I think it's uh it's pretty fascinating, and I, and I don't even know the half of it, so I'm I'm excited to kind of hear more about it. But you know, you've spent some time at incredible places in the game of golf. Uh, you've already mentioned, you know, Ronimick in Philadelphia um, before you, you arrived at, at Oak Park. Uh, and, and, you know, I want to hear about your time spent at places like that. But before we get to those, uh, I wanted you to maybe fill me in on Lida Greens. <laughs> uh, that's where the start was. Um, I grew up I'll, I'll I'll try to make this as as brief as possible while still telling the story. I don't want to bore bore too many people, but I grew up in a, a really small town in northern Minnesota called Pelican Rapids. Um, they had uh, two nine-hole golf courses, separate nine-hole golf courses. Light at Greens was a, a nine-hole golf course that was uh, down the street from my best friend's house, and. Uh, and it was uh, it was essentially run by by one family, uh, husband, wife, uh, and then they'd have their actually their grandchildren will come in during the summer, and uh, and work there and stay there in a barn that they had on property and a house and uh, and uh, so me and my my best friend Paul Christensen we. Uh, we that was our start where our parents would uh first kind of drop us off and hey mom i want to go play golf and and it was there was no one there i mean literally like they if they got you know 20 rounds of golf it was a good day there um it was uh enough to to pay the bills but uh literally one person cutting the greens you know the greens are um you know ridiculously small and and they're stimping at about a four uh so that's that's where i got my start playing uh literally for probably five summers six summers you know from the age of eight to i moved away from minnesota when i was i think 10 so you know seven 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 to ten i i played there almost every day uh during the summer all day every day um literally literally me and Paul would get dropped off there at seven in the morning and picked up at seven at night. And we became like, just, it was me and this, the, me and Paul and, and this guy, Joe, Joe, Joe Hilber who ran the golf course. And we were like his little kids because we were spent every day there and we were uh ball hawking, walking through the creeks and, uh, and we were helping him out with anything that he needed to do, bring sand from one location to another, you know, just wanted to be around, be at the golf course. Uh, we play, you know, it was a, it's almost like a par three course. I think it's like a par 30, 31 or something like that. Actually, now it's a 13 hole golf course, which is, uh, which is odd in itself, but, uh, <laughs> or, or kind of cool. <laughs> original. <It is> cool. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we'd sometimes play like 60 holes, you know, in a day, uh, 70 holes in a day. I remember doing that many a times and, uh, and, and just loving life, you know, just that's when, uh, there were no worries as a kid playing golf. That's where I, that's where I got found my love for that. So I saw some, some pictures of the place online and like you're saying, it does, you know, still look like it's being maintained by probably a one or two, maybe a handful of, of part-time folks. But uh, the land looks pretty darn cool for for golf. 
I mean, the, I don't know if you've spent much time in northern northern Minnesota, but there's, you know, obviously land of 10,000 lakes. There are so many, like, swampy, you know, just scattered ponds and creeks and, you know, marsh areas that, like, that up in that area, there's there's a, a ton of, there's not much money, so, so the golf courses obviously aren't big and fancy, but there's some really, really cool, uh, cool layouts and, uh, and uh, really cool looks to some of the golf courses up there. So as a kid growing up there, it sounds like a pretty good existence, you know, running around there for 70-some holes a day. Um, and from an early age, I found a news article that said that you, uh, you had an interest in running some golf tournaments. Tell us about the, the tournament you founded there. Yeah, so uh, me and Paul, um, you know, we'd, we got sick of, I think, got, got sick of playing just each other for uh, – too many summers in a row that we were like, come on, we want to, we want to play with some other kids. Uh, so we went to Joe one day or one summer, you know, at the beginning of the summer and said, said, Joe, uh, why don't we start a, a junior, junior, junior tournament here at Light of Greens, you know, a nine hole, little nine hole course. Um, we want to invite some kids from, you know, we had some rivals that we played baseball or basketball against from a little small town, uh, down the way and we said we want to invite you know joey and brad over because we want to play them over here in a tournament and uh and you know having the relationship with him he said you know go for it guys whatever and uh and i think paul's dad i think he donated like 200 bucks or something and bought a bought a bunch of bunch of stuff at at uh at some fleet farm or something up there, um, some some golf clubs to give away or training aids to give away as 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 prizes, and and we invited a couple kids, and it just that's how that the Light of Greens Junior Golf Tournament started, um, and then it it kind of just it didn't get big, but I mean it it got from maybe the six kids uh, to to three two-man teams to uh, I think there were you know something around 50 kids in it and it's still going on uh I think gotta be oh I don't know what was it 20 years ago I mean I think we started it ish I'd say uh, about 20 years ago um now and uh and it's still happening and it's funny in the local newspaper a little small town they uh, they posted a news article yeah, that, that you had seen there of a picture of me and Paul from where we were little kids 20 years ago um, playing in the in the first Light of Greens, Light of Greens uh, golf tournament. So me and Paul, uh, we won it for, I think, the first four years before someone knocked us off. And then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And then Just we shamelessly uh, win in your own tournament. I, I mean, like, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously, that's that's how you set it up, right? You, know, you play seventy holes a day there. If someone beats you, there's a problem, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I remember though. I remember. A bit, uh, Sounds I like do, the shark uh, shootout of the '90s, or or maybe <laughs> you know the current day Hero World Challenge of Tigers. It was funny. It was like a two man. So it was like a two 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 kid event, two man event. And, uh, and you played nine holes scramble and you played nine holes better ball for an 18 hole, 18 hole score. So, I mean, us, and that's how it was when we came up with it, when we were, you know, 10 years old and for, it was pretty cool to be able to, Hey, that's a cool little format. thinking about formats, thinking about combining scores and, uh, it's just kind of, that's, 
I didn't know it, but I didn't know that that was going to be my career. That I was going how I was going to spend my life is setting up golf tournaments. Um, but but it's uh it's pretty cool. What what I love about that, and I didn't I didn't know from that little clipping I saw, is that it was a team event. It had a uh, you know alternative format that you just don't see. I mean, I I grew up playing junior golf in Northeast Ohio. We we had no team events. You know, you, yes. you got your team golf with with high school, but that was still individual scores um, collectively. Like playing team golf is so much fun. And yeah. I, I, I just I'm a little regretful that I didn't discover it till I was you know in my 20s, because I think kids um, can, can just have so much more fun playing with a partner, playing with a team. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, I think the root of that, Matt, is uh, where where me and Paul really uh made that click is the root of it is we were playing in these uh up in these small towns in minnesota you know i'm sure i'm sure in small towns in illinois there's these little three-on-three basketball tournaments you know like summer like the big uh whatever it is uh they called it uh, i can't remember what they call it loony days or whatever and you have your three-on-three tournament is involved in it and us as kids grew up playing that and we play the play the kids from perm or you know uh you know, Barnesville down the street and it was our biggest thing ever. And then we started doing it on the golf course, you know, two on two. All right. We're playing two on two on the golf course now, you know, I think that's what the root of where, where we got that from. Wow. You know? Oh, that's, that's so, awesome. Funny. That is really awesome. Um, so you go from, you know, those junior days running tournaments, playing, <laughs> w- winning them, just, collecting checks from your own your own event uh on the did you play high school golf in wisconsin right is that where yeah Yeah. and then and then from from there uh you did play some college golf but did i i think you had told me in the past that you know you were hell-bent on on a d1 um scholarship or playing d1 golf what was it to you uh about that versus d2 or d3 um, I mean, it's, it was, to be honest, it was, it was one thing, you know, it was, a, it was a, obviously the competition. I, I love, I'm about the biggest competitor you'll ever meet. And I love, I want to play it with the best or, you know, what I think is quote unquote the best. Um, so, you know, that was a, that was a part of it, but then it was, a, it was the scholarship wise, you know, I, uh, I, I'm. I didn't grow up in a, you know, necessarily very wealthy family. Uh, I wasn't by any means poor, but uh, it was still, hey, Carson, you're going to have to pay for your college type of type of conversation. And uh, when I found out that I could get a scholarship, possibly get a scholarship to play golf, that that obviously was my kind of number one priority, even though even though I, I, I didn't have any any very many wins or, or very good good stats to uh, to kind of make up for it or to prove it. I didn't get any, you know, scholarships or offers to play Division One. I. I got some, some Division Three uh, co- college coaches asking me to come play for them, but I, I, I wanted to play Division One. Uh, so, you know, that was a that was a big part of it. You had four, you had four consecutive Light of Greens Junior invitations to <laughs> your name. What are you talking about? How did that not get registered? I know, on I know. O- Oklahoma State or I know. I know. Stanford it's- knocking on your door. It's crazy. It's crazy. They just don't get it. They don't get it. They don't get the. That's. It's difficult to play in on greens that Stempa is a three that are the size of like a, your kitchen table. 
<laughs> well, you you walked on then, right? Isn't that do I yeah. have that? Yeah. So I mean, I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to to I you know in in trying to get college coaches or Division One coaches to to contact me. You know, I put out a recruiting video of me hitting golf shots at you know, driving range down the street and, and I emailed all, emailed all the coaches and, and found their email addresses and on their websites and whatever. And, uh, and I was lucky enough to the golf coach at, at Wisconsin Green Bay at the time, University of Wisconsin Green Bay, a guy by the name of Sean Razacek, who I'm still very close with. He's worked, he's in the business still working for TaylorMade. Um, he, uh, he he said, "Hey, listen, I'll I'll meet with you and your dad if you guys are coming to, for a visit um, to look at the school. I'll I'll meet with you guys and just talk with you." And uh, and we had a, you know, it was obviously a big deal for me, but I, we had a conversation with him, and he said, "Listen, I'll let you I'll let you walk on the team. I'll let you, you know, or I'll let you give you a shot to walk on the team. You know, I'll let you do the qualifier. It's a it's a six round qualifier, and and you know you can you can play in it with the team. The team plays in it." Then we'll see how you do. If you beat any guys on my team, he had a 10 man roster and he said, if you beat any guys on my team, I'll give you a spot. And, uh, and so, uh, long story short, I beat, I beat six guys on the, on his team. And it was just like, uh, you know, I was a good player. I obviously I played a ton of golf, but I never, never like put it together, you know, until, until that almost that week, it was just like everything clicked and, and I, I played great golf for for six rounds and and uh, and I gutted it out and and it was like that's that's my proudest golf moment you know um, I would say so uh, yeah I made I made the team he unfortunately didn't give me a scholarship that first year uh, but I practiced with the team you know he treated me like I was on the team and uh, and and it was a great experience and I played for. Four years after that, so five years there at, at Wisconsin Green Bay, and I, I I had a great college golf experience. That's pretty cool. That's really yeah. cool. I mean, you know, to be young and and this is like the thing you probably want most in, in your life at the time, and and you got to hang in there for six rounds. I don't think you know people realize how, how much pressure that that is <laughs> or what that feels like when you're playing with no fans around and you're just going you know, head to head with guys that already have scholarships, uh, and you're just fighting for a spot, you know, it's, it's, um, that, that must be pretty cool to reflect on. Yeah. I mean, at the time, I mean, it's, the, it was the biggest thing. It was like playing in the masters. I mean, it was, it was huge. You're playing, you know, against, yeah, the seniors that have played on the team for, for three or four years and, and, you know, you know, all those things. And it's a, it's a, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. And that, so. Um, that first year, I mean, that, that does put coaches in. I had a buddy that played at Notre Dame and had a very similar uh, experience walking onto the team, and, and, and he beat almost everybody. Um, and, you know, the coach kind of thought, well, I didn't expect you to do that, and now I'm in a, you know, they're, they're in a weird spot, right? So I'm sure part of you not playing that first year, was that because he's like, hey, I, I got other scholarship guys, and, you know, you need to redshirt? Is that what the outcome was? Yeah, I mean, he had told me that, almost in path you know not in passing but just he he had seen my video he had seen seen my resume up to that point <laughs> and he said listen if you beat anybody i'll give you a spot you know and there i think there were 
there were five kids walk, that he allowed to to tr- to try to walk on, and uh, and none the other four kids that were trying to walk on. I I don't even think they played more than two rounds. He had cut them after two rounds because they were shooting, you know, in the mid eighties or you know even higher. Um, and uh, and then when. I remember. I mean, I remember vividly after the first, first or the final qualifying round, sitting in the in the restaurant at at Northbrook Country Club and out just outside of Green Bay. And him, it was me and the team. You know, we were the last ones. There was all the walk-ons. All the other kids that had tried to walk on uh, had had gone home or he, he had cut them already. And he, he told everybody the results, whatnot, you know, let's get ready. We got it. We got a match. You know, they were going to travel to Butler or somewhere, um, Detroit the next week. And here's, here's who was going to travel. And he said, all right, guys, get out of here, go home. And then I remember him saying, Carson, I need to talk to you. And me staying back in the, in the bar, in the restaurant with him and, and him saying, listen, he goes, this is, this is one of the hardest conversations I'll have. He goes, uh, he goes, I didn't think you were going to beat anybody. He goes, Carson, you, you beat six of my guys here. You, you proved yourself, you know, I, but, but I can't give you a, I can't give you a spot on the team. I can only carry 10 guys and I can only carry 10 scholarships and I can't pull someone's scholarship at this point. I, I'm sorry. I didn't expect you to beat it, beat anybody. And, uh, and, you know, obviously I was, I was a, a little bit upset, but when he told me that I was going to be a part of the team, you know, quote unquote, he goes, you can, you're going to practice with us. You'll play with us. I'll get you the gear. And, uh, and you just can't travel this year. And then next year you'll be on, you'll be on scholarship. So, uh, so that it was kind of a, a double-edged sword there. It was the biggest, the coolest thing that ever happened to me and kind of a, a little, uh, little, little felt a little slight, but, but in the end, I mean, we have Sean as someone who I look at. He gave, he gave me that opportunity and I don't think I'd be where I'm at without, without that opportunity. You know, if he would if I wouldn't have played college golf, would I have gone to Cape Cod to work on a, at a golf course or, you know, and then gotten, gotten that, that went on that next step, you know, you just never know. And I, I, I really don't think I, I would have, if I wouldn't have played college golf for Sean. Sure. Sounds like you're you're the Green Bay's golf version of Rudy. <laughs> no, <laughs> you, you, you did it. You get in the game. Uh, that's that's really neat. And and you go to so you go on to go into the golf industry. Um, yeah. Tell us the story about that. It it sounds like you you got a job in Cape Cod, and were you planning to to go full head 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 forward and keep no. a life in the game of golf, or how how did it all come no. to be? I mean, like like most college kids i mean especially that are playing sports in college i cared about the golf team right and then i cared about i uh, probably next up was probably partying or social life and then uh academics and or what i was going to do afterwards so you know i i majored in in social uh, social change and development with an emphasis on criminal justice and uh and and then uh and then from there, who, who, who knew what I was going to do? I just happened to, to go out to a, my uncle lived on Cape Cod. He asked me if I wanted to come out there for a summer rent free and live at his place. And, uh, and, uh, and I went out there with a 
college teammate, my best friend, Eric Maybe, and and we started working at a at a golf course, very nice private facility. We emailed a bunch of pros. He he said, Hey, come on, I'll work, let you work in the bag room. That's all we wanted to do. We just wanted to work in the bag room, clean some clubs, clean some carts, and then hang out at the beach and play golf um, all summer. And uh, and within a week week of us starting there we we had played golf with him and played awesome like eric shot 68 i think i shot 69 we both beat the the head pro and uh and he was like whoa these guys are these guys are good and he saw that we knew the golf business a a little better we had been around golf i shouldn't say the golf business i knew nothing of the golf business but um but then uh then within a week or two his assistant had quit for one reason or another and uh and he pulled us into the golf shop and we essentially worked as as assistants for him um for that first year and he came from oak hill in new york obviously a huge huge name club and worked for uh worked for Harmon up there and and uh and to get the experience from him was invaluable so uh, and then he and then he just said, Carson, go go finish up college, uh, play your last year of college golf, and then come back. I'll hire you as a pro. Why don't you become a pro? And it was it was just literally he he said that to me. I remember my last day there uh, that summer. He was bring me. He brought me out to my car in the parking lot, and he said, Hey, have a good trip back. He said, You know, when you finish up, he goes, I'll hire you as my as my assistant. You'll get in the PGA program. I'll hire you as my assistant. Um, and and right there it was a done deal. I said, okay, I'm in. You know, didn't even think twice about it. And then I, my whole last year of college, all I was thinking was, I I already got a job. You know, I'm gonna become a golf pro. It's <laughs> it was a t- it was kind of a tough uh, senior year there, especially playing playing college golf and whatnot. And it, I don't know. It was a it was a weird little. You know, it's weird how that thing those things fall into on into place. But. Uh, it's uh, I'm so happy to get that start, you know. And and you know along the way you end up finding yourself in in Philadelphia, you know the just from a golf architecture geeks perspective, mecca. the mecca of, of American, <laughs> you know, great golf. And you're at a place like Aronimic. Um, is there any? I'm sure you reflect on the time there. It was your most recent stop before Oak Park. Uh, any moments from Aronimic that you reflect reflect on regularly, or or that tend to stick with you? You know, Matt. Like when I, I'd obviously you know had some experience in the in the golf industry. I'd worked at a couple different clubs. That club on Cape Cod, one in in Madison, and then and then a and then a brief winter out in the in the desert. But going to Aronimic was my first taste of East Coast. You know, true. I was on Cape Cod, but that was more of a you know, a resort-ish uh, feel to it. Aronimic um, was my first taste of of true, like, history, you know, really his- historic architecture, historic golf courses, um, you know, uh, prestigious clubs. That was, uh, that was my first taste of that. So, um you know, I remember my first day coming to Aronimic and, and honestly, quite honestly, before I, I got the job at Aronimic, I didn't know, you know, Aronimic's also one of those places in Philadelphia, you hear about Marion, you hear about Pine Valley, you hear about Philly Cricket Club, and yeah, you, you do hear about Aronimic, but not, maybe not quite as much as, 
as the, as those places. Um, so I, I didn't know know a ton about it. And then I remember walking up to the first tee, and there's a big rock uh, above the first tee at Aronimic, and it's Donald Ross, and it's a quote, and it's, uh, you know, until I, I came, I, I meant to build Aronimic as my masterpiece, but I didn't know how good it was until I, until I finally saw it, you know, or something, you know, it's something along those lines. Um, but him essentially procro- proclaiming Aronimic as his masterpiece. Um, I remember that being the first time I knew Donald Ross. I knew, you know, arguably one of the best, uh, golf course architects. And for him to say that, I knew I was in a special place. So you got, I'll give you 10 rounds to split in Philly, Philly area golf courses. Um, you got ten, you 10 rounds. You can split them any way you want. Where, where are you playing? Well, I mean, Matt, if, if there, you have to split all 10 to 10 different golf courses, I wow. mean, that's just, just like, I mean, if you said that to Chicago, you, you'd be able to pick 10, 10 great golf courses you know, in the area that you'd say, I, I got to play that, play that, play that. I don't want to waste five of these at, at, at Aronimic or Marion, even at Marion or Aronimic uh, when there's so many other, like this place called Golf Mills. In, I don't know if you've heard of it in Philadelphia. I mean, it's the coolest place on earth. And, and you know, no one, no, one, no one really knows about it. And for me to not split all 10 of those toes up, you know, I can do it. Here, here we go. We can go, we'll go Aronimic, Marion, Philly Cricket, White Marsh Valley, Applebrook, Huntington Valley, uh, Golf Mills. We'll go, did I say White Marsh? You said White Marsh, yep. Manufacturers, phenomenal. Um, and then and then if you just go, just go right outside, Stonewall. Um, they just had the mid-am there three years ago. Phenomenal. I mean, I'm sure I'm missing some. Um, what would the 10th be? I don't know what the 10th would be. Uh, there's just a Philly Country Club. Uh, you left off a, a little guy called Pine Valley. TV, yes. I mean, I here's the only thing that I'd say. I have a hard time saying Philadelphia and Pine, Pine Valley. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair uh, enough, yeah. As lo- as much as people try to group it in, it's not true. It's not true, Philadelphia. <laughs> it's in New Jersey. I mean, it's in New Jersey's. You know, it's a different animal. Yeah, yeah. That's still <laughs> that's yes. an impressive yes. lineup. That's impressive lineup. Yeah, and and you know the the tie in there to the uh, classic school of uh, golden age golf architects. Architecture. Yeah. I mean, you see the parallel with Chicago. Like yeah. Chicago doesn't have the land Philadelphia has. And and we could even contrast undulation, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like going from um, Aronimic, where I, I I have I have not played. I've just you know watched uh, the BMW and the Western Open, and um, it, it it obviously has a ton of land movement and undulation uh, versus you know Oak Park where you're at today, which which doesn't. But both are designed by Donald Ross. And it's crazy. It's crazy. Do, you, do you see a lot of the parallels with, between the two? Um, yes and no, I would say, um, obviously, obviously Ross has this key features that are, uh, that are everywhere with the bunkering and the, the green complexes. Um, you know, Aronimic has a ton of elevation. Oak Park has like a foot and a half of elevation. 
um, literally the flattest piece of property I've ever seen in my life. And for, for Donald Ross to do what he did on that piece of property is amazing. You know, um, it's, a, it's amazing in a different light than it is at, as, as ironic, obviously. Um, but, but I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy, you know, to think about that, uh, that someone can build such great golf courses on such different, in different, um, you know, land feature, different land features. It's crazy. I love at Oak Park that you, you, you can see, like you said, a foot and a half, you see everything, you see the whole course and it's right in front of you and you're just like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, chew this place up because, because it doesn't look much intimidation from the first tee, you know, on, but it just nuances you to death with with different (laughs) land movements. Like I, I always come back to a chip shot I had on the back nine, um, dog leg left par four where there's a swale in front, like a mini, yep. mini yep. valley of sin. Right in front of the green. Yeah. <laughs> right in front of the green. Yeah. Where you just... 14, 14. Four, 14. Yep. I mean, it's, and you can play every time shot out of there, but none of them are easy. No. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a 370 yard little par four, you know, got a little couple of bunkers, but if, if there's a pin, sh- if there's a hole cut short on that green, you have that little dip and you can't bounce one in. You might have a little sixty-yard shot, you know, something like that. And and then you have to play it in such a weird way, just because. Of, yeah, like exactly what you said. Those little nuances, like it, it it's uh, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, I, I um, it's one of my favorite holes in Chicago, actually, just because of that little that little uh, added wrinkle yeah. on the green that you just don't you don't factor in, especially the first time you play it. But I'm sure. A few times around, you start to realize, okay, I need to be aware of this. Yeah, I, I mean, it's I love weird stuff when it comes to golf courses. You know, one of the reasons why I love golf mills in, in Philadelphia so much is because it's weird, you know, and yeah. it, it's but it's weird in a good way. Um, those those things like fourteen at Oak Park has that weird little dip in front of it. You know, ten has these weird kind of weird mounds right up next to the green, and it's just uh, those cool little things are, are uh, the things that that always catch me. Well, before we let you you go, uh, I was curious if you're still doing much teaching. Is that uh, in your repertoire? Do you kind of uh, offload a lot of that to, to your assistants, or are you still kind of actively coaching folks? Um, like in gen- if I were at the golf course or right now in these current times <laughs> at home? Yeah. <laughs> I guess that would be my question. Yeah, I guess both. I'd like to hear how you're coaching people from, uh, from <laughs> isolation, but um, you know, when you're actually at the golf course. No, yeah, I uh... – I I teach a good amount. I don't I don't I wouldn't say I teach a ton. I'm not on the lesson team by by any means all day every day. But I don't turn down a lesson. Um, I don't push I don't push really push many lessons to the assistants or what I I obviously help them out as much as possible and they they do a nice job of teaching themselves. Um, but but no I'm at, I I stay active. I like teaching. I like I like I like coaching more than teaching. I wish I could just uh, give every golf lesson out on the golf course and teach people how to play golf rather than how to swing a golf club. Um, that's, that's kind of my, my approach to it. I think that that's, that's lost a little bit. So I would say I like coaching. I love like junior golf because I can, I can teach them how to play a lot, uh, a lot more than I can on how to swing a golf club. 
Um, but but no, I'm I'm still teaching uh, when the golf course is is open, teaching a good amount, and then uh, we have an indoor area that we teach during the winter. So so we stay up on it all all year. Uh, I wouldn't say I, I don't teach a ton, but I teach uh, a good amount. And the same with the assistants; they get they they teach a teach a nice amount. Um, in quarantine here, I uh, it's funny. This morning I had a member reach out to me that said, "Hey, I want to." Uh, I'd sent out a putting drill uh, to the membership, uh, something that I did upstairs in my in my living room, and he had sent me a note back and said, "Hey, I got some time. I'm, we obviously have time inside. I want to work on my putting." Uh, can you give me a couple lessons? And so, you know, he'll send me video of him doing drills and, and I'll, I'll watch the video and, you know, watch him slow-mo and, and then, uh, give him some stuff, feedback back. And there'll be, you know, some before and after and, and just doing stuff like that. A member, you know, sent me a chipping video the other day, uh, from his backyard and just, Hey, I can't, I'm, I'm shanking it. What am I doing? You know, that, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm, it's life life goes on a little bit people still have their golf problems those don't go away right i, I just want to know what what did everybody do in 1918 you know <laughs> to get by in this time no wi-fi yeah life nope. was much more simple than that <laughs> just put putting on the hardwood i guess they're still still at home tinkering i'm sure on the dirt <laughs> um you you mentioned coaching any uh either like mental game or I, you know, the approach towards the golf courses or something that you almost consistently like to share with, with either junior golfers or, uh, or, or even people that are just trying to improve, um, that, that you find very helpful that you like almost, almost like a go-to for you. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a loaded question there. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I preach a lot of course management. I, preach a ton of club selection management i don't know if that's i just kind of came up with that i like that (laughs) i like that yeah um because i think that that's one of the things that i see the most most of that drives me absolutely bonkers is when people are hitting three woods out of the rough when they have no chance of even getting to the green rather than hitting a seven iron out into the middle of the fairway and hitting a wedge on the green you know, that's, I, I can't, I, almost every round I play of golf with, uh, you know, a mid handicap, even high hand, you know, obviously high handicap, but mid handicap, even low handicap players. That's the one thing that I, I would say I see the most of is just poor, poor, poor club selection. Like you, you take, you have a shot over water and you're taking a club, you're in between clubs and you take the shorter one and try to hit it harder. No, you take you take the longer one, take the water out of play, and if it goes to the back of the green, great. You know, like that, it's just simple, like little things like that. And it's like, it, and it is simple. It's just, hey, you got you got two choices here. Think about think about this. You know, obviously percentages and you know all those things. I don't know if you saw the Scott Fawcett, uh, Chris Como thing. You know, there's there's uh, if people just took a t- took a tiny tiny little portion of of what what they're talking about and and take it take that to their to their course management i i guarantee i could cut three to five strokes off of almost every person's round by just caddying for them and not letting them pick their clubs just here you go you got your guy seven and a lot of times it's just going to be hey take a seven iron 
hit hit your drive, find it, take your seven iron, hit it down there to a hundred yards and try to hit a wedge on the green. And if you make the putt, you make a par. If you don't make the putt, the worst you're going to make is a bogey, you know, and you might miss the green and the worst you're going to make is a double then. And uh, rather than a nine or a 10, you know, um, so, I mean, that that would be the one one thing that I'd say. Club selection management. I love, I love it. it. Trademark. Hashtag trademark. Carson <laughs> Soling now owns that. Right. Right. I, I love that, too, because I do this thing where uh, if I'm getting ready for a particular tournament or, or, or round and I go out and I just want to, um, you know, work on actually playing versus, you know, beating balls and, and working on all the, the technique, Um I'll do the same where I take put little dots on the scorecard where you know I either wasn't fully focused or you yeah. know uh, made a poor decision, and I'd say probably half of those dots are exactly what you just described. Yeah. Club selection, where yeah. I just you know wasn't really factoring in the win there, or I did not take the water out of play, or I did you know, and, and it it did, does revolve around kind of your you know commitment to a game plan, but also like just just do that little thought before it doesn't take any longer, but you know, you, you, you kind of got to <laughs> be aware of that stuff and so you can eliminate it from your game. What it does take, Matt, and the heart and what makes it so hard is it takes discipline. You know, you yeah, have exactly. to take that three seconds to take a breath, think for a second, like don't react, think, you know, sit back and just stand at your bag and say, all right, what do I got here? And rather than just like, 137, 8-iron, here we go. You know, like, 137, okay, where's the bunker? Where's that? Okay, what's the back of the green? Boom, 7-iron. You know, it's, it's, it, takes dis- it does take discipline, and that's, the, that's obviously the hardest part. Well, I, I, this has been fun, Carson. I yeah. uh, you know, don't want to take too much more of the morning. I, I just want to say thanks for coming on sharing any parting words for our, our listeners uh who are you know just like the two of us sitting there in isolation trying to dream about golf yeah i mean just stay healthy um you know do, do your part to stay inside and 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 be safe um keep i had the, this member at aronimic i was anytime you ever uh kind of left you and he was a big golfer i would say keep the faith bro Keep the faith, man. And uh, <laughs> when this time, I always keep all the golfers. Keep the faith. Keep the faith about golf, man. We're gonna stay stick together. We're family. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is the message. Keep yeah. the faith, bro. Yeah. Well, well, Carson. Thanks again, man. We'll look forward to seeing you out at Oak Park sometime later in the year. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it.